The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us. Today, we are about to embark on a trip to a place that earns the introduction once upon a time. We're going to visit a castle, a castle in the middle of what otherwise is some fertile swampland in central Florida. Solomon's Castle is our subject of the day, and we will bring that to you right after this. Walk behind the forbidden walls of the old Joliet prison, home to some of the most infamous convicts in America, made famous in movies and television, and now you can experience it. See the buildings and cells during a historical tour as guides highlight the prison's long history. For the more brave at heart, try the Haunted History Tour. Stroll the grounds at dusk while hearing the more grim stories of the prison's past. More tours are available. Visit JolietPrison.org for more information and tickets. Plan your visit today. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. It's nice to be able to visit a castle without a dungeon. Or maybe that's a work in progress. We'll soon find out. I'm Gary Mance. Happy to have you with us. And I want to introduce Suzanne Mitchell, my travel partner and my partner in life, who had a wonderful experience with me just the other day visiting Solomon's Castle in Aura, Florida. It's in, um, now let's see, I'm dropping the county right now. I know, as a matter of fact, it, and it's Ona, and it, by the way. Ona. My mistake, it's Ona, Florida, in Hardy County. Now we're talking central. You're, you're kind of sort of beyond Tampa and on your way to Orlando, but not quite. You go out there into the swampland of Florida, and here is magic right before your very eyes, rising up out of the soil. I was afraid you were going to get lost, Gary. <laughs> and I said, let me go with you. And so the two of us had quite the adventure. It didn't take nearly as long as we thought it would. It was um, about an hour and 15 minutes. And we went past, I said, wait till you get east of the interstate. Because once we did, it was citrus groves, ranches, farms. Livestock, and the, winding roads. Exactly, all that good stuff. And, and as a matter of fact, it did take both of us to find the roads to get there. Otherwise, we might have passed it by. And I think we only made one wrong turn. It really was our fault because one there go, are signs. One going and one coming. Absolutely. But, but we did make it there and we did make it home. And I was, I was really happy that you invited me to go with because I met some wonderful people and I saw a place that is really defines the word unique. It oh, is absolutely. one of a kind. And so we are very happy to have join us for this interview, Elaine Solomon, who is the main inheritor and curator of Solomon's Castle in Florida. And I want to make sure I get that name right again. Ona, Florida. Blink, you'll miss it. You follow the directions, use your GPS, follow the signage, and you will get there, and your trip will be amply rewarded for all your effort. It's an extraordinary place. Elaine, we're so happy to have you join us on Trip Talk today. Hi, Gary, Suzanne. It was a pleasure meeting both of you yesterday. We had a great time there, and so it was so timely for us to bring you on while the memories are fresh even if I can't always remember the name of the town I'm in at the time. But nevertheless, <laughs> Sullivan's Castle, absolutely 
unforgettable. And I guess the best thing to do for the sake of our listeners is to get down to the who, what, when, where, and a lot of the why behind Solomon's Castle. You've got the surname Solomon. You are the daughter of Howard Solomon, an extraordinary man and a visionary artist. And he worked with recyclable materials exclusively, extraordinary all the way around. So get us started, Elaine. If somebody comes to Solomon's Castle, what are they about to experience when they pull into that ample parking lot of yours? Well, Solomon's Castle uh, is the home and studio of my late father. He, We've been here almost 50 years. And when he first came here, he realized uh, that he didn't have a lot of room to build out, so he started building up. And because he's an artist, his his artistic flavor came over into his uh, architectural uh, buildings. And uh, 18 years later, after a tower here and a tour there, he proclaimed that his castle was complete. Uh, And when you come here, you... People typically take the castle tour where you go inside and see uh, his hundreds of works, a, a lifetime, so to speak. Um, he has a, um, actually has, we have two buildings here full of his artwork, and we have a restaurant. So people come to uh, do those tours to have lunch, and we have a nature walk. Uh, there's almost 100 acres here, and it's beautiful Florida swampland. And uh, then, you know, after people have been here and taken the tour as many times as they as they like, they um, then just start coming out to have lunch, you know, a, a nice afternoon out under the under the beautiful Florida oak trees. Now, they could bring a picnic, but, oh, they'd be missing so much. Before we get to a sort of cook's tour of the castle, as it were, I did want to say a word about the boat and the moat. That is extraordinary in and of itself, an extraordinary piece of artwork that has some of the most delicious food to be found anywhere in Florida, if you like home cooking. Thank you. And and Elaine, I know you have so much to say about that. I was treated to lunch. I'm so grateful. And the dessert was out of this world. And the hint is key lime is involved. It was amazing. (laughs) The boat in the moat, when... Apart from the castle, which in and of itself would be worth the trip on anyone's part, but the boat in the moat, from what I understand, your father wasn't sure initially whether he wanted to to turn it into a gift shop or a restaurant, but he wanted something that reminded him of his days in the Bahamas. This is correct. He he uh, always wanted to build a you know life size boat. So the boat in the moat restaurant is actually a replica of a 16th century Spanish galleon. He says that in a previous lifetime he must have been a boat maker. <laughs> and, um, you, know, you know, it's a all wooden structure. And it's, it's quite amazing. If someone were to just build the boat, it, it's almost like a lifetime of work. You know, it's, but combined with the other structures and the hundreds of, sculptings that he created people are just blown away uh with the how prolific he was that was the thing that really struck me elaine i i said to you when i got through with the tour i don't know how many times in one afternoon i've ever said wow or amazing <laughs> because he he was extremely prolific working in a number of mediums uh, his, exactly. He has sculptures that are in metal. He has 
uh, wood, um, wood, I'm not sure what you call them, like relief paintings where he has mm-hmm. pieces of wood glued into things and he has, he has uh, sculptures made out of wire coat hangers. He has things that are made with, with parts of other things. In fact, one of the things that you said to me that I thought was, was really interesting is like, you know, where do you get all this stuff from? And, and you said that he was telling the neighbors to throw their junk over the fence into no. your, onto your property. <laughs> no, um, people would leave things at the gate or they would stick it over the gate. Um, he, when he first started, he lived in the, um, I mean, when he first, he's been building sculptings or making sculptings since he was four. Uh, the, we, we have one from when he was four years old, and you see it on the tour. But he would jokingly say, I've made a lifetime uh, a living out of making, I've, I've, let's see, how did he say it? I've made a living for a lifetime out of other people's junk. And, and uh, so he, he would just go and scavenge in the beginning, and then it got to where people would say, oh, you know, I have a box of really cool gears or whatever, and they would bring them. Uh, you know, on their next visit, or he had a, a couple of shops, uh, local uh, m- uh, machine shops or welding shops in town that would save particular things for him. He loved gears and pistons and, uh, you know, parts like that, that that had not just a flat piece of metal. And so, uh, you know, in the beginning, he did mostly wood, and then he uh, learned how to weld, kind of taught himself how to weld. And he he says uh, that he was always glad that he didn't have professional training to weld because they probably would have just told him that he shouldn't be welding those two types of metals together. And, you know, they say bliss, ignorance in your bliss, uh, or blissful yes. in your ignorance. <laughs> and uh, Elaine, so, there's uh, a... Yes. No, go ahead. I was just going to say there's a theme in there because as we found out taking the tour and in talking to you the other day, Elaine, your dad was one of those geniuses, and I'll give him credit for that for sure. He was one of those geniuses who couldn't sit still in school. That must have been a source of great annoyance to his teachers who tried to get him to fit into their system. Absolutely. And one of our favorite stories to tell about dad is how in the second grade, uh, the teacher called my grandmother to school and she wanted to have a talk with her at the principal's office. And as I got older, I, I realized the severity, you know, it, it was like, oh, it wasn't just a talk in the classroom. It was a talk with the principal. And she said, yes, mm-hmm, yeah. They, they sat her down and told her that uh, she needed to come to grips with the fact that he was mentally retarded, and the term that they used that back then, and that uh, she would need to uh, find an institution for him, that he would never be able to function out in the public. And the sooner she, um, you know, embraced that concept, the happier their family would be. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, as I jokingly say, she immediately, and uh, you know, took him out of school, uh, de-enrolled him from school, took him down to the local five and dime and bought him an erector set. And they spent the rest of the afternoon, uh, you know, matching up the pieces and building things on the front step with the erector set. And she never looked back. She found another place for another school for him, and he was. He was probably off the chain, and um, if, you didn't, if you didn't understand, you know, the way he was thinking, it was probably intolerable, especially if you're trying to teach 25 or 28 other children. 
and um, he he just didn't fit in their square in their square peg. Well, and I understand from the from the tour that um, you're talking about perception, and he had a, a very rare perception of things, which has also been attributed to a couple of other geniuses we've heard of, Albert Einstein and Thomas Edison, who had the perception of being able to see things in three dimensions. And not everybody has that spatial recognition which is mm-hmm. what allowed him to be such a phenomenal artist and to be able to build anything that he wanted to build. So it, it, the mental retardation, you laugh because that, <laughs> those were the same things that were said about those geniuses too. Exactly, exactly. And, and had they been in a different circumstance at home, um, not encouraged or allowed to become the people that they, you know, eventually became, if they were stifled, um, you know, if the mother would have followed the direction of these, um, you know, two people that supposedly knew what they were talking about, uh, you know, it would have, his future would have turned out much differently. Um, so, and, and my, my father always, you know, commented about what a, a kind family he came from. Uh, he had uh, his grandfather on my grandmother's side was very influential, you know, and, and uncles on that side that provided him with tools, you know, from a very early age and took him on jobs at a very early age. And a lot of these things are by the wayside. You know, they, they don't allow you to uh, have children around certain types of machinery or, you know, or who has the time for that kind of concept. Um, he, he just grew up in a, a wonderful family during a wonderful time. And, uh, you know, he, he's always, he had always made lemonade out of lemons, you know, whether it be the depression and there was nothing, you know, that you could go out and buy or you didn't have money to buy it. So he made toys out of found objects or later in life when he bought this place out here and realized it was a swamp, he, he just started building up instead of out. You know, he, he just uh, had a way of looking at the bright side of everything. Didn't he become known as the Rembrandt of recycling? The Rembrandt of Reclamation. The Reclamation. Wizard of Odds the and Rembrandt ends. of Reclamation. The Wizard of Odds and Ends. <laughs> and the Da Vinci of Debris. And I the Savior it. of Salvage. And if you didn't get it by now, ladies and gentlemen, you need to realize that any tour of Solomon's Castle is laced with humor, with puns, with some real groaners, but also... in in a way that indicates the inspiration for the objects themselves. And in that regard, Elaine, you know, time would not permit. It's a cornucopia of artistic achievement, of ingenuity and reclamation, being the da Vinci of debris. That's that's a good one. That's my new favorite. What are your favorite pieces? If you take the tour, there is so much to see. But which pieces are among your favorites, which become your your heritage, your inheritance from your dad. I have a, probably a dozen of, you know, my top favorites. Um, and, and the words you were looking for a few minutes ago, Miss Suzanne, um, the montages, you know, the two-dimensional release painting or uh, pieces. Yes. He, he dubbed them uh, montages. And uh, so there, there's a couple of, of uh, each variety. Like I, I love the Wounded Warrior um, with the 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 uh, knight on his knee and the 
spear and the heart. And some of these pieces I might mention, although they were on the tour, you may have been too overwhelmed to say, oh, yes, I remember that one. Um, I love the um, the court jester. Um, that's one of my favorites. Uh, there's, a, there's a montage that you didn't get to see. Um, it's a little bit uh, politically controversial. It's about the um, oil spills that we've had throughout, you know, our lifetime. Um, mm. uh, he he made uh, these wooden um, dolls with rope arms and crazy rope hair, and I, there may have been one or two of those on the tour. But again, there's seven or eight of them in a private collection in, in another building that you didn't get to see yet, and. Uh, um, un- Uncle Julius's um, truck. Did you notice that with the po- his Uncle Julius's poultry truck? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I do remember yeah, that. There are quite one. a few vehicles there on hand. Right. Yeah. Um, the train the that sits in the middle of the floor. There's just so many of them uh, that. And like I say, people come out and they'll take the tour six or seven times, and every time they'll say, you know, I, I saw pieces today. I've been here so many times, but I saw pieces today that I, I never noticed before. Elaine, I would absolutely believe that. It was very hard to take everything in because there there is such a wide variety, including beautiful, beautiful stained glass. I fell in oh, love absolutely. with several of the stained uh, glass things. And how how could one person produce so much? Did he just not sleep? And and that's one of the top ten questions. Did he ever sleep? Um, he he. When he was in his thirties, he would work all kinds of you know strange hours. Like he would he work during the day, and then he'd take a few hours break, and then he might end up back in his shop at eight o'clock and work until you know eleven or twelve o'clock at night. As he got a little older. Um, he was still uh, an early riser until his mid sixties, and he would um, he was very regimented as far as you know. I've got to get up and go to work. You, sometimes when you're your own boss, you don't do that, but he did. Uh, and um, even if he stayed up late, you know, his thing was to still get up and start his day. <clears throat> A very good habit. I I you know I, I kind of envy it. Um, it was it seemed to be easy for him to. To get up, I tell people the difference between my dad and most artists is that he could think with both sides of his brain. He was not only a wonderful and very prolific artist, but he was also a great businessman. And time and scheduling were were one of his pet things. And um, I think that that if you can manage that, you're you've got a lot on your side, a lot going for you. That's a big insight, Elaine, because in talking to Uncle Jimmy, who's in the family and one of the wonderful tour guides there, he indicated during the car tour portion of the entire tour, he said something that I thought was fantastic. This, This should be wise living. The idea that Howard Solomon had something short term because he always had to keep his hands busy. We understood that he always had his mind and his hands busy short term, then a medium range project as well as a long range project. And that became a habit of mind for him. Exactly. Exactly. And and um, 
you know, he would say, well, I, I need to do something else because I'm waiting for the glue to dry on this project, or I'm waiting for the paint to dry <laughs> on that project, or I need a few more parts for this project. And so, again, that time management thing, I, I envy his um, his skill and and fortitude with it because it's not a, it's not a characteristic that I have, and I'm not proud of it. Um, but I, I do. I, I'm a big procrastinator, and my dad was not a procrastinator. And as a matter of fact, he was very impatient with, with that, that part of me. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, so, he, with his projects, yes, he he always had several things going at once, and you know, kept up with them. If they took started taking longer than he thought they ought to take, he would get really aggravated with himself. And um, and I, I like to tell people he had one piece that didn't fit into all of this criteria that we're talking about, and it was a piece that took him 18 years to finally say, okay, it's done. Did you oh, get to see wow. that one? Yes, did we did. Yeah. Yes. And and, uh, and, and yeah. what the part was that was missing, it was a, a chute coming off of a cement truck? He was waiting. It was. He says, if you notice, this is made all out of, um, lawnmower parts, and yes, it was a cement truck, and uh, I said, w- w- why is it done now, Dad? I mean, it's been sitting in the back of your shop all of these years, and you, you know, you're always, you start something and you finish it. Why is this one different? And he said, well, if you notice, it's all made out of lawnmower parts, and he started pointing them out, and yes, there was, you know, chain from the lawnmower, decking from the lawnmower, there was a, a engine shroud from the lawnmower, and he said, I had I, I, my last lawnmower just lasted so many more years than I thought it would, and it finally broke, and I was finally able to finish this piece. <laughs> oh, that is something. And keeping all of that like a great equation in his mind, it was just an extraordinary display that we saw and the product of one man's genius. And, and there's so much more. When you go to Solomon's Castle, if you take the tour in these larger golf carts, essentially, there you will. We didn't go inside, but we definitely were had it pointed out to us by yourself, Elaine. Maybe you can tell our listeners better than anyone what's the Alishmo? The the Alishmo is a building that he he built um, for overflow pieces pieces. You know, being an artist, he had a lot of friends that were artists, and through the years they would trade pieces. And so a lot of those pieces are in there. And then he has, you know, some pieces that he just never got around, excuse me, never got around to actually displaying them in the castle for whatever reason, you know, not the wall space, or maybe it wasn't completed when he, for whatever reason. There's, you know, several dozen pieces in there. Um, And so he built the building uh for those types of things he also thought that he could kind of escape and take a nap in there in the afternoons and that you know he could get away from the the business or the tourists for a, a little bit as he got older but he loved being up in, at the castle yard or in the restaurant with us he he probably took two naps in there but that was one of his purposes and <laughs> um and and the reason he called it the Alamo is because uh he had been to Texas to see the Alamo and after trying, you know, three different loops through the town and couldn't manage to, couldn't manage to get over there, um, he he finally said, "Just take me home. I'm going to build my own." And uh, he called it the Alice Schmo because he didn't want to plagiarize and use the same name. He he was he was uh, hysterical. You know, uh, he said that one of his 
27 trades with comedian. And uh, they also say that uh, comedy is a sign of intelligence, that he was an extremely intelligent man. And I also like to throw in there, um, you know, as far as this being a family business and we grew up here and I raised my children here and now they're raising their grandchildren or my grandchildren, their children run around like, you know, like they own the place. And uh, I, I always tell people that my dad not only created all this artwork and the beautiful castle being the largest sculpting of all, but he created a whole kingdom for all of us to, to live and to work. And uh, it is a like kind of king. It. it is a kind of kingdom. I have to say that's not exaggeration, Elaine. <laughs> yes. And when and, people and say a kind kingdom at that, a, a kingdom of kindness and hospitality. If you go to the boat in the moat, for a meal, you're going to make friends, guaranteed. That's just the way they are. Thank you. With that yes. Southern hospitality in Central Florida. And when people go to the castle expecting brick and mortar, they're quite surprised to find out that's not what it's made of after all. Exactly. The shiny castle made out of aluminum printing plates. I tell aluminum people we're not in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of everything. <laughs> ah, that's right. <laughs> They're in Ona, O-N-A, Ona, Florida. And uh, to wrap up this interview, Elaine, I want to encourage everyone to go there. And it's not as hard to find as you might think. No. It sits out in the middle of nowhere, but I would not call it inaccessible, which was a very pleasant surprise to Suzanne and myself. We have great roads out here now. Hardy County just repaved the uh, 15 miles of road that lead in. And uh, it's uh, the other thing is, Gary, uh, we might need to mention that we'll be closing this Sunday and reopening October the 1st. Opening October the 1st, and it, the rules are, as I understand them, you are closed in August and September for various reasons. Correct. And they're even in season, then you are closed on Mondays. Correct. And I should, correct. oh, if you happen to want to stay in a and b that's under development, it is possible to stay overnight. That's right. We have one overnight room. I think that would be a magnificent trip. I want to <laughs> stay that night. And uh, I'm going to listen for uh, the spirit of Howard whispering in my ear. I could use some creative inspiration. That's for sure. Elaine <laughs> Solomon, I want to give you great thanks and, and much, much gratitude for the tour, for your hospitality and for this eighth wonder of the world out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And yet, in the middle of everything, as you put it, it is a kingdom and the kingdom of a genius, of a man of great artistry, of great wit and great warmth and kindness. We thank you for your time today. Thank you both so much. Nice meeting you. We will be back to wrap up this episode right after this. Walk behind the forbidden walls of the old Joliet prison, home to some of the most infamous convicts in America, made famous in movies and television, and now you can experience it. See the buildings and cells during a historical tour as guides highlight the prison's long history. For the more brave at heart, try the Haunted History Tour. Stroll the grounds at dusk while hearing the more grim stories of the prison's past. More tours are available. Visit JolietPrison.org for more information and tickets. Plan your visit today. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. Thanks for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk today, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. 
Until next week, drive safely and dream well.